Hello and welcome to episode 126 of the Haskin Cast podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I am here with a little just ball of lightning of a guest today. Very, very excited to bring this interview to you. Uh, I was just talking to her about her work as an actress, and we branch into all kinds of things that I didn't expect. All these wonderful things I found out that she can do and has just a, a wonderful attitude. And she's really just wanting to take things on. And I really, really admire that. I think as adults, we tend to start overthinking things. We tend to worry about the implications of things a little bit more than we probably need to. And uh, we miss out on a lot of opportunities. Well, we don't miss out on them. We choose to miss out on them. There's a big difference. Uh, but she just takes them on. And I really, really admire that. And that's interesting, too, because it flows right into my second guest today, who does the same thing. So that will be in episode 127 that should be available by the time that you are listening to this. So uh, before I talk to, well, I've already talked to her, before I bring on my interview with Serenity, um, just a couple things that are going on. I have two Halloween-related singles that are on their way out. I'm just waiting for all the distribution to settle in. Uh, they could be out in a couple of places already. I'm also doing a couple of YouTube videos, uh, one for each just explaining the history of the song my, in my Behind the Music series. Uh, the first one is called Here to Stay, and the second is called Through the Eyes of a Stalker. So they're really kind of getting into someone else's mind and uh, just saying, this is what I imagine this to be like. So it's, they're kind of interesting. So if you would like to hear those, go to my YouTube channel. Uh, the link is in the show notes and you can just click on that and it will take you there. And it is in the uh, Behind the Songs playlist. Um, the Uriahi podcast is coming along very, very well. I'm very excited to launch the first episodes on the 3rd of November. There is the introductory episode already available, so you can find where you would like to follow the podcast, whether it be on iTunes, Amazon Music, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Podbean. You can stream it directly from my website, and um, you can uh, subscribe to any of those channels so that you get the notifications when the show goes live, but they should be out early every Tuesday morning, uh, or if you're in England, late every Tuesday afternoon. So that is pretty much everything that's happening here. I'm still working on my new Entranced 2 album. Got another song done for it and uh, getting close to number three. So we're getting there in, along the way as I have time between everything else I'm doing. So uh, I'm going to quit talking about myself now and catching up on that because you are now pretty much caught up on that. And let's go straight to the interview with Serenity Star Foreman. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I have a very special guest this week. I know I say that every week, but all my guests are special. But this young lady is a very phenomenal talent. And I can't even say that she's an up and coming talent because she's already done a ton of stuff. Very impressive. Let's welcome her onto the show. Serenity Star Foreman. Serenity, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. And thank you for uh, hanging there with me through the technical problems. It's one of those rare days when you have everything lined up and then it doesn't work anyway. Yeah, I totally get that. It's all good. Yeah. So I uh, I watched Girl Wired finally this weekend, and I was really impressed with your uh, your acting in it. It was very, um, that must have been a tough character to play. Well, in some ways it was because, well, the easy parts for me was all of the technical jargon that I had to talk about. Really? Actually came really easy to me because I actually do robotics in 
my high school and I also did it in my elementary school. And I went to the like world championship like three times, not to brag or anything. (laughs) So that's just like stuff that I've been talking about since I was, I think I started robotics in the third grade. So it just like kind of comes naturally to me and I know what all of it means. So it was just kind of easy to talk about. Sure. Was that something that attracted you to the role? Yeah, for sure. And I also think that that's something that helped me get the role because when I went for my callback, I think it was, I wore my robotics world shirt and they asked about it. So I got to talk about it. And I think that they saw the connection between me and Glory and were like, she's definitely it. (laughs) Wow. Was that an intentional thing? Did you do that to kind of implant that subconscious? Oh, for sure. It was intentional. (laughs) Oh, man, I love it. It was it's interesting to see somebody uh, so young speak so proficiently about uh, anything, let alone that kind of technical jargon. And I wondered, was that something that you really had to study? But uh, coming naturally like that, that definitely gave you an advantage over anybody else that was auditioning. Yeah. Yeah. I remember because I, 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 I know the um, the producers of it and they, they just said like they just knew it was you. You were the right person for the role. <laughs> and I love that. I love that. How many um, how many callbacks did you have? Was it just the one then? I think it was just the one. How did you connect with it in the first place? Well, we got the audition notice from my agent and I auditioned. And as soon as I read the audition sides, I was like, this would be really cool to do because one of the audition sides was actually all of the technical jargon. It was one of those scenes. So that was like the easiest part of it to memorize. And then the other one was super dramatic and it was a scene where I had to be like crying and everything. And I, this sounds like I'm bragging, but I totally nailed the audition and they called me in for a callback. And I was like, if I don't get this callback, something's up. And (laughs) I got the, I got the callback. I got the role. It was a total blast. And I actually brought my robot on set. Because I'm 99.9% sure that I had a robotics state championship the day before. It was the day before one of the set days. So I left set. I went to my competition. I got first place. And then I came and filmed. And the next day when we came and filmed, I brought my robot. And I was like, I get to go to Worlds with this robot. And I let everybody drive it. And it (laughs) it was so much fun. That is awesome. So is this is something that you built like from scratch? Yeah. So I did Vex IQ for four years, which was third, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. And for fourth, fifth, and sixth, I actually went to the world championship. And each year there was a different competition. There was a different challenge. So we had to rebuild our robot every year to complete the challenge slash task. And every year, just because my coaches wanted to challenge me, Uh, Funny enough, the school coaches were actually my parents, but for completely unrelated reasons. And we would change partners every year. So I was always working with somebody different. When we switched um, team members, it was more to like keep it fair so that parents weren't like, well, this team does really good. So they're getting special advantages. Like it wasn't like that. It was if one team does good one year, we're going to switch all of the partners around. So there's no advantage. I gotcha. Well, that's good for you, too, though, because it gives you the opportunity to work with different people and you can learn different things from different people. You're also challenged because you have to build a new relationship in the midst of the project. 
Yeah, that was, I think that was definitely a challenge for me because as you can tell, I'm very talkative. And more than once I got paired on a team with somebody who was really quiet mm. and who like was super shy. So I was like, all right, um, I need to break you out of your shell because we have to do this and I'm really competitive. So <laughs> I always had them. I made, I made sure that they were really comfortable around me and that we were like close friends or that we became friends within like a short period of time so that they were comfortable talking to me. So we all, my team always did really good. And I think it's just because I built that friendship every year. So everyone was like, Hey, this is just like, this isn't work. This is go have fun and build a robot with one of my friends. Oh, that's very cool. I have a feeling though, that you're the kind of person and, and tell me if I'm wrong, but when you're working on a project with a group of people, you're the one that ends up doing most of it. Either that or I'm taking the leadership role and giving everybody a task because I hate I hate when people are left out because I just feel bad. And, and unless they just don't want to do anything, then I'll be like, all right, I'll just I'll just take it. It's fine. You can like go mess around or whatever you want to do. But. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would say that because it depends on who my group is. If, they, if they're going to work with me, they're going to work with me and it's going to be fun. But if they don't want to work with me, I'm going to be okay with that. I'll just do what, you, do what you would like to do and I'll do whatever you don't want to do mm -hmm. because I just I want everybody to be happy. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's a good thing because really uh, any team project, everybody's name is going to be on it. Everybody's going to be involved. Yeah. And, you know, people are going to look back at that and, and go, you were part of this. So, yeah, it's, it's best when everybody does that, unless they choose to just not contribute. And then somebody has to make up for that difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah so, sure. so you're like, OK, so I just built a robot. I just went to this big event and showed it off and I won. And congratulations, by the way. That's awesome. Thank you. And then now you're like, OK, so I guess tomorrow, I don't know, I'll go make a movie like your life is crazy. <laughs> It was so funny. It was it was an interesting experience because I was also juggling school on top of that. Sure. So I was um, on set with doing doing my schoolwork with the tutor. And like one day a week, I would have to go back into school in person just to like check in, make sure that I'm doing everything properly. And then the, that night I would have to go to robotics. So um it was kind of a lot to juggle at the time, but now thinking back on it, I'm like, I do more than that in a day. Um, <laughs> I do too many clubs now, but I feel like, like it wasn't that difficult. I just, I'm really good with like managing myself and managing my time. And I do procrastinate a lot, but I end up getting the work done anyway. Even if I wait until the project is due in literally an hour, I'll get it done and I'll still get an A. But well, yeah, but some people really thrive under that kind of pressure. Like I, I have friends that uh, get a lot of artwork done, but they'll they'll just say, well, you know, the deadline's in a week. I, I can wait a couple of days to start it. And then they're like, oh, this is due tomorrow, so I better get going. And then they'll come out with some kind of masterpiece. It's almost like they work better under that kind of pressure than if they had time to lollygag. Yeah, I feel like I definitely work better under pressure. And I think that's definitely a thing that I, helps me with like being on set and also with robotics because it's always like, oh, like there's a lot of people watching you. Don't mess up. And then it just, I don't know what it is, but I always do better in like pressure situations. And also with deadlines, I'm so bad about waiting until the morning of to start my school projects. 
I'm so bad about that. My mom gets so upset and she's like, oh, your project's due on Wednesday. It's Sunday night. You need to start it. And then I don't start it until Wednesday morning. Right. She gets so mad at me. <laughs> well, I, I think that we we have a certain expectation of how people should work. And, and, you know, if you have plenty of time, you should get started. And this is the the path that you follow. But there are people like you and, and like myself whose brains are wired a little bit differently. No pun intended that we have to work a little bit differently. We have to push ourselves and challenge ourselves. And if we just have plenty of time, then we'll kind of, yeah, I'll do this little bit or I'll do that little bit. We won't really invest until we we get that adrenaline rush and then we yeah. just go. Mm-hmm. Totally, for sure. Yeah. So, but let's put this into perspective because you're what, you're 14 now, right? Yeah. So this was a couple years ago. So you're like 11, 12 doing all this. It's not like you're 18 doing this. Like you're 11. You're not a teenager yet. And yeah. you're building a robot. You're doing a feature film, playing the lead in a feature film. You're going to school and you have to memorize the dialogue for the film. And your role is very dialogue heavy. Oh, yeah. 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 So how do you how do you kind of time manage all of that? I honestly don't even know. It just—it's <laughs> <laughs> all this—it all just kind of happens in a blur. Like I'll obviously do like the basic, like go to school at this time from this time. I can't control that. Go to robotics from this time to this time. I can control that if I want to skip robotics, but that's not good for my partner because then my partner has to do a lot of work, and I just don't want to put that kind of pressure on them. And then I come home and I. I don't really get that much homework. So homework wasn't a big issue for me. And then I just sit down and I just learn my lines and I'm really fast with memorization. So that's not like an issue for me either, which, oh my gosh, I sound like I'm bragging because I keep saying these things are hard for me. Well, this is a show for you to talk about your (laughs) accomplishments. So it's perfectly fine. I, yeah. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you're not, you're not coming off as arrogant though. There's a difference between being excited and being proud of things that you've accomplished and being arrogant and saying, yeah, I won that. I knew I would. And then I went and made a movie, you know, like there's a whole difference of how it comes across. So you're doing fine. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Sure. But how do you, okay. So you read the script and, and you get the role. How do you go about building your character? What, what is it that you, Uh, look at and you decide who you're going to be in that role well first the first thing that I usually do is like read through the whole script and see if I can like pull things out of like specific scenes that say they can tell me a little bit more about this character like even if it's a little detail like they shift to one leg that's going to tell me that in this situation, the person is a little bit awkward or uncomfortable. So then I go off of that and I read the whole scene and I think about like, okay, who is this character? What is their name? What's a little bit of their background? How are they feeling in this kind of situation? How are they feeling in this kind of situation? And then from there, I build a bit of the personality off of them. And then I, as much as I, I try to, as much as possible, incorporate it into my personality, at, like who I am right now. So that it's going to be easier for me to be like, okay, like in this kind of situation, I would normally react like that anyway. So and if it's not like that, I just get into the mindset of this character. I am this character at this moment. I'm not me. I don't know who me is anymore. I am this character. And that was one thing that I kind of struggled with in the scenes like in the movie. 
I am an orphan and I live with my grandfather. So the scenes that are like kind of highlighting that was a little bit di- different, for, difficult for me because like I obviously live with my two parents and my brother. So I was like, oh, okay, like this isn't me. Like, how do I work with this and react to this? So I just have to like think about things in a different point of view because I'm so used to just being like, oh, this is like how my life is. I have to think about, I have to look at it through somebody else's perspective. And I really like that, honestly, because it kind of can, it just kind of humbles me a little bit. Yeah. And, and it's, I think it's good to to use the immersive experience because it, it lets you flow into that character more naturally and less intellectual. Like you don't have to think about what you're doing. You're reacting within the confines of that character. I think it makes the performances come out better. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I, I really, I, I just thought you were amazing in this film and there, I tend to notice uh, something like when, when it seems like people are trying to act versus them being in that character, like that immersion experience, I said, um, it really seems like you, you flowed well within that character. I didn't feel like there was any point where you were like, oh yeah, I need to act in this scene. Like it felt very natural. Yeah, for sure. That's like something that happens with me a lot, even when the character is like completely different from me. I just I don't know why, but sometimes I just kind of feel like I even if I don't like if I'm completely different from the character, I'm like, oh, I could get why they're feeling that. And like I felt that way before, but in different situations. So I pull that feeling from a different situation and I kind of substitute it in Mm -hmm. for that situation. And just it, it helps me a lot. Yeah, that's a really interesting idea, you know, being able to uh, empathize with somebody who isn't you or wouldn't take the action that you do, but being able to identify with, okay, I get why you would do that. So now I can play that because I can see through your eyes a little bit. Mm -hmm. That's very cool. I like that. Now, you uh, so you said that you got this through uh, your agent. So you already had an agent at 11, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. So I got my agent when I I think I was four I got my first agent because I had never auditioned for anything before and my mom comes into the bathroom my mom was doing her makeup in the bathroom and little four-year-old me waddles in the bathroom and watching my mom put on her makeup and she goes hey do you want to go on an audition and I was like yeah why not I don't know what that is but sure (laughs) so (laughs) I go into this audition for this movie not knowing a single thing. I think I was the only one there who didn't have any experience or didn't even have an agent. And I'm pretty sure that for most of the audition, I wasn't listening and I was singing Jingle Bells, Batman Smells, Robin laid an egg. And they, I think they called my mom back and said, yeah, she got the role. So we did filming in Arizona. We also filmed a little bit of this movie in Topanga Beach and in Malibu. And sadly, the movie never came out. I don't know what happened with it. Something happened during post-production and then just nothing came of it. Oh, but came to uh, my agent and my mom was like, hey, she's four. She has this movie that she just did. Um, do you want to represent her? And I had blonde hair, a bob and bangs. I was really short. I had a gap in my teeth. And they were like, yeah, let's let's get her. Um <laughs> After that, it just kind of spiraled and went into this thing that I love and live for, basically. Well, let's let's just interject right here and say that that song that you were singing, that's a classic. I mean, what? (laughs) who who wouldn't want to be like, I want to work with her just because she's singing that song alone? 
was like in the middle of August or something too. I think <laughs> we started kindergarten. <laughs> but I like I like how fearless you were in it. You're like, you know, you didn't shy away from the opportunity. You just said, I don't know what that is, but sure, if, if you think it'd be fun, <laughs> let's just do it. I still do that now. I don't think things through. I just do them. They seem fun. I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's do this thing. Well, I think there's something to be said for that because there's that there's that point in in most people's lives where they all of a sudden just flip a switch and they start th- overthinking things a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. well, you know, if I if I audition for this and if I get it, then I'm going to have to arrange a schedule. And they they start finding every reason not to do it. So I I like that, like, stay in that as long as you can for the rest of your life. (laughs) You know, I mean, go about it intelligently. Don't be like, oh, yeah, jumping off a cliff. That sounds like fun. But, you know, but but keep that attitude, because that, I think, really opens a lot of doors. It's it's very obvious when you're when you're looking at a room full of people that are auditioning for something and you can tell by their body language who's up for whatever and who's just like, OK, I just got to get through the audition and then I'll be fine. And like there's there's you you can sense that kind of fear on them. Yeah, for sure. So keep that up. That's awesome. Now, you've done um, you've done some Broadway theater, too, in the Arizona Broadway Theater. How do you mm-hmm. like the stage versus the screen? They're two completely different experiences. And I honestly enjoyed both so much. And the funny thing is with the Arizona Broadway Theater, my mom submitted me while I was in the middle of a school day. She didn't even know that it was a musical. So (laughs) no offense, mom, but kind of bad research on your end. She's sitting in front of me laughing. I won't tell her. But she, they said, yeah, let's audition for her. And we were like, I don't know what we're going to sing. So we went to this local um, music studio and I went into, they gave me, they told me that I should sing Part of Your World from The Little Mermaid. So I did. And they were like, yeah, she's it. She'll play Young Cosette in Les Mis here, and, which was a solo. First time I had done musical theater, there was probably 500, 600 people in the audience I went up on stage and I sang my little solo with my little wig and my little broom. And then I walked off and I was like, that was cool. (laughs) Nice. Did did it help you to be in a costume, though, to kind of like be outside of yourself and be playing a character? Does that help performing in front of people or does that bother you at all? I don't think it makes a difference for me because I am a really talkative and energetic person. No. And I I do a lot of (laughs) who would have thought. (laughs) So I like I enjoy public speaking and I I'm I don't think I get nervous when I'm talking in front of a bunch of people. So singing in front of a bunch of people like didn't seem that different for me. And I think I did like 22 performances on school nights, staying until midnight and then an hour drive home, going to school the next morning. And I didn't think anything of it. I would take a nap right after school. (laughs) I don't know how I took so many naps. I cannot (laughs) take naps anymore. But (laughs) Never underestimate the power of like a, a five or 10 minute power nap. For real. Never underestimate that. They're amazing. I love small naps. I only take small naps after I've pulled all nighters and then I just can't fall asleep in the middle of the day. Right. I tried to do this thing when I lived in L.A. where I slept um, 15 minutes every two hours. And <laughs> it works. It works if that's all you ever have to do. Like if you don't have to go out and do anything that's going to be longer than an hour and a half, you could be back home to stay on your sleep schedule. You're fine. You get off of that to go to a movie and and it just messes you up. So then I thought I'll try 30 minutes every four hours. 
mm-hmm. and that worked better. But then I would have like some red carpet event or something to go to and it would be eight hours long. And I'm like, now I messed up again. And it just it, those things really don't work unless you can tailor your entire life around it. But if you if you're tired and you can grab five or 10 minutes and just immediately fall into a deep sleep and, and you wake up, you're just it's amazing how much further you can go on that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think it's cool that, that you um, got a singing role, too, because had you been working as a singer or practicing as a singer before that? Nope. Just <laughs> little me just running around my house, just singing at the top of my lungs. <laughs> this is so cool. I love this. I love how just fearless and go for it you are. Yeah, I'm still like that today. And I think that's how most of my opportunities come for me. Like I get most of my opportunities. What? That didn't make sense. That's hold on. Let me just brain not working. (laughs) (laughs) I spend most of my life like that at this point. (laughs) But definitely that kind of mentality has gotten me really far because I'll just like see an opportunity and be like, hey, that sounds like fun. I have... 400 other commitments right now but that sounds fun and then i'll go do it and then i'll work out the logistics later on and it all works out fine and instead of sitting there and thinking okay there's i could join this club at school but i already have these other two clubs that meet at the same time instead of thinking through that i'm like oh okay i'll join this club i have two other clubs going at the same time i'll just alternate days Hmm. and i just don't I don't really think things through that much, but more often than not, it's kind of a good choice or it is a good choice in general. So, Mm -hmm. but you find a way to make it work. Like whatever you've done to yourself, whatever corner you've painted yourself into, you'll, you'll just find a way to get out of it without messing up the walls. Mm -hmm, For sure. Yeah. That's awesome. And I think too, and this might be more of like a quantum mechanics type of thought, but it seems to me that people who are like you and they have an open mind, they're they're excited about things, they want to do different things all the time, like you'll just find naturally connect with more opportunities just because you're so open to that and 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 excited for it. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's let, well let's talk about COVID because as somebody who is is so, you know, even even as young as you are, you've done so much work, is it kind of driving you nuts only being able to set projects up for tomorrow and not actually being able to do much right now? Yeah, for sure. It drives me crazy not being able to go back into school in person either because I like miss seeing people. I miss like being able to go outside and see somebody that I know and be like, "Oh my god, hi. Like, let's hang out right now." Or even being able, being able to go on set. Because yeah. being on set is like a surreal experience every time. It doesn't matter if it's the 100th day of filming or the first. Because everyone there is just so welcoming. And you're just like, you are my you are my new family. You have no other option. Give me a hug. And like all of my auditions have been virtual. And I'm like, I miss seeing you in person. Because I have a completely different personality from a self-tape where I have three or four lines, then if I actually get to see you in person, then I can be bubbly and be like, oh my gosh, hi. And then we can talk for a couple minutes and I can get to know you in 30 seconds. I can tell if I, if you're like, I just get a different vibe. And being online, it's just, it's really difficult to do that. And unless we're on a Zoom call, Zoom calls are okay, but I still miss being like being able to like reach out and be like, oh my gosh, you're right here. Mm-hmm. And I think I took that for granted a little bit because now that it's just taken away so fast, school got canceled in a week and I was on spring break. 
So I hung out with one person and then the next day they were like, Hey, school's being canceled for the rest of the year. And I'm like, I can't see you anymore. Yeah. And I missed that. And I didn't think anything of it then, but now I'm like, that's like crazy. Like how did, why and how did this happen? And why can I not see you anymore? Well, and more importantly, how does it end? Yeah. Like when does it end? Right. I think though, I think that, that you did what most of us have done and we, we kind of take for granted day-to-day life anyway. We don't think about, you know, uh, we're hanging out today. We're going to go our separate ways at the end of our, you know, meeting for dinner or whatever. And this might be the last time I get to see you for a long time. Like that never enters our head because why would it? Yeah. And, and so I think it's pretty natural that, that we've done that. But at the same time, it's like we also live in a time where at least we have ways to stay connected, even if it's not the same, like Zoom, yeah. and Skype and things like that. If I think about the last plague, you know, 100 years ago, they didn't have any of that. Yeah. And I can't. But they also didn't have all the things to, you know, to entertain them either. They didn't have computers and, and board games and stuff. At best, they had a deck of cards and some sticks. So it's it's you know, it's it's amazing the difference of the the abilities we have to get through it. But the personal connection or lack of of human contact, I think, is exactly the same. If you don't have it, there's some part of you that just as human beings, we yearn for that. Yeah, like we just miss it. Like, even if you're a shy person, there's still going to be that maybe one person that you're like, oh, like, like, I genuinely like like being around you. And so you always have at least one person who you're with and you are you're going to miss them. And you're it's just kind of a difficult thing to think about. And you're like, oh. Over half my class isn't even going to be going to my high school anymore. And the last time I'm ever the last time I'm ever going to see you was last March. And I still thought that I had until May to see you. I didn't get to say goodbye because we just went on spring break and I was like, all right, see you in a week. Nope. A week turned into two weeks, two weeks turned into a month, and a month turned into never. Yeah. And it was just like, so it happened so fast. I didn't even register that like, hey, I'm not going to see these people again for like a month. Mm-hmm. And like, I was just sitting, I, I think I was eating dinner and I just looked to my mom and I was like, half of the people that I'm friends with, I'm never going to see again. And I just started crying. And my mom was like, are you okay? And I was like, no, because it was just like, it all just kind of like happened at once, it feels like, even though it didn't. It happened kind of spread out. But in my mind, it just like, I didn't register it right away. So that when it when I did register, I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Well, sure. And, and you know, to further that point, I think the lack of, you know, physical contact, like hugs and even a high five or something like the lack of being able to do that definitely has effect an effect psychologically that alone would make you feel more isolated, which makes you feel more vulnerable and having no idea how or when this ends. Uh, it just like all compiles on itself. And then when you add the wow, there's all these people that I'm used to seeing five days a week and half of them I'm never going to see again. That's really a lot to ingest. Yeah. I went six months without seeing my best friend and then I saw her again. And the first thing I did was hug her mm-hmm. because it had been like, she was the last person that I hung out with before quarantine started. And then everyone was like, okay, stay home, please. So it was like, oh my goodness. Okay. Let me just, 
wait six months before I can give you a hug again or reach out and you're right there and I can hug you and I can give you a high five. I can give you a fist bump or I can laugh with you in person Mm -hmm. because there's just there's something different about being on FaceTime because you or texting somebody because you can still talk to them. But it's just different because you can't reach out and touch them and you can't high five them when they make a good joke or it's just weird. Well, and typically, you know, I don't know how it works with with your friend group of friends, but, you know, typically the last thing you do when you hang out with somebody is you hug them and then you go your separate ways. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference between that and ending a Zoom call and then you're just sitting there like there's you had a connection with them, but you didn't have that connection with them. Yeah, you know, for sure. But I would think that would carry over to the auditions too. even even doing an audition through like a live Zoom call versus a pre-taped. Um, mm-hmm. There is really something to be said for at least meeting somebody one time, shaking their hand, getting to know what their actual energy is versus the way it appears in other areas like a Zoom call or a phone call. Um, mm-hmm. There's really something to be said for that. So I think that um, it would be hard to judge people, I think, auditioning without having that as well as you judging whether you'd want to work with them. Yeah, for sure. It's like weird mm-hmm. <laughs> because like I'm going to work with you either way, but I'm going to have more fun if you're fun with me. Right. And like I'll enjoy the experience if you're going to be like quiet or however you want to be. I'm going to have fun because I just like filming and I like being on set and whatever, but it's just going to be like more fun and it's going to feel just a little bit less like work if I can go and if you're going to joke with me and have fun with me. So that's something that you kind of can't really prepare for anymore because you can, before you can go into an audition and right away you can feel that they're like happy to be here. They're happy to see you. You're happy to be there. You're happy to see them. And it's just kind of like a little click. And you're like, hey, I genuinely like this person. And now it's like, here's my audition tape. Um, Here's how I'm going to greet you. I don't get to, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you look like. I don't know anything. If I even see you, I see your eyes mm-hmm. and your forehead. I can't see if you're smiling at me. And it's just like, I can't really, like, I can't feel your vibe. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And, you know, there's there's times I'm sure when you've you know, picked up the phone and called like a business or something and, you know, the, the person answers and they're like, you know, welcome to blah, blah, blah. How can I help you? And you're like, hi, how's it going? I just had a quick question for you. And, and like you can feel whether they perk up or not. Yeah, and it's so much easier to do that in person. And that can really change an audition. Yeah, for you know, sure. You set their mood. But as as if all these things that you've done weren't enough, you've done some pretty cool commercials, too. Yeah, <laughs> I really like doing commercials, too, because they're real quick, they're easy, and then you're done, and then you can move on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've done national and regional commercials. I did a Camping World commercial, which was a national commercial, and every time it would air, and anytime anybody that I knew would see it, they would call my mom, because I didn't have a phone yet, they would call my mom and be like, I just saw Serenity on TV. And <laughs> it was just like a thing every single time. And every time it came up on our TV, my mom would my mom would make my dad pause the TV. She would go get her phone. She would record it. And then she would like pan over to me standing there. And then I'd be like, yeah, let's go. This is cool. Watch <laughs> <laughs> me on TV. <laughs> but how do you feel when you see yourself? Are you the kind of person that can watch your work and, and be okay with it? Or are you like, I don't want to see anything I've done? 
I okay it's kind of both I enjoy the experience I like watching myself back especially in movies like Girl Wired because I can I nitpick myself way too much but it also helps me because I can see little details in my acting where I'm like oh I could have improved this or I could have done this better or I should have done this and then I can in my next opportunity that's similar to that I can think through all of those things and be like okay Here's how I can better my performance from the last one. And obviously everyone's going to be a little bit like, oh my gosh, why, why, why did I do this? <laughs> when they're watching themselves back. Sure. And I think it's fun. And, but overall I like watching my tapes back and stuff so that I can improve. I think it's a very healthy thing to, um, to want to improve and to be able to look at yourself as long as you're not beating yourself up over what you've done. Like this was a couple years ago. So when you look back at it, um, you can say, okay, here's something I can improve on, but you can't beat yourself up as to why you did it the way you did at the time, because you were, yeah. you were where you were at the time. Mm-hmm, you know, sure. I, I try to do that with music too. When I look back on something I've written, I'm like, okay, this is a horrible song. I can't believe I wrote it, but I was also, <laughs> here's where I was as a writer at the time I did it. So there's a reason it was only this good. Mm-hmm. You know, if you could do that and keep that perspective, you're fine. I think there's too many people that beat themselves up to a, a very um, uh, unhealthy level. Yeah, I'll say. So once again, great perspective. I love the I love your outlook. This is awesome. Thank you. And again, as if all that wasn't enough, you do voiceovers and radio spots. Yeah. Like, what don't you do? <laughs> I don't know. Um, nothing. I don't do. <laughs> there's nothing I don't do anymore. But um voiceovers and radio stuff those are so much fun they're like 20 minutes and then you're done and then you can work on the next one and they pay really well too yes for 20 minutes it's like wow that was really easy all i did was read off of a piece of paper for 20 minutes wow that's a lot of money okay Mm -hmm. right it's just kind of fun and they're always different and you can like it's just like instant and it happens right there and you don't have to like wait on a bunch of people because it's just you in the studio mm-hmm. and then the people who are like outside and they're like, hey, use a little bit more. Um, I can't think of the word. Um, like be, be a little more excited in this take or. Yeah, or, yeah. And, like put a little bit more like emphasis on this word and maybe a little bit on this word. So you just kind of like instant feedback so that they get what they were looking for specifically. And it's just faster so, yeah, I really <laughs> kind of do a little all of it. And it's a lot of fun to do, too. I've always wanted to voice a video game character. That would be so cool. I think it would. I, I think for sure, because you could really open up. You know, you don't have to worry about the visual. You know, maybe you'll get to see the character and you can design what you think that they would be like based on what the the drawing is or whatever. I think yeah. that would just be a blast because you would really have a lot of creative freedom for something like that. And I think that you having something that gives you a lot of creative freedom could really come out amazing. Mm-hmm. And like cartoon characters, mm. that would be so cool. I think I would have a hard time being consistent though. I, I'll be honest about that because I'm yeah. not, um, I'm not a good voice artist. So I think for me to, you know, maybe create what the character does, but then by the time I get three pages in, I've changed who they are. Their voice doesn't sound right. And I haven't been consistent yeah, at all. Just like a completely different person. Right, exactly. And then they just usher me out into the hallway and give me like five bucks for a coffee and go, thanks anyway. <laughs> that could happen. 
So what what is it that you uh, are, are, is there anything that you're working on that you can tell me about that you're excited for once all this is over and you can go back to, to being the normal talent that you are? Well, so far for the entirety of quarantine, it's just been like self-tape auditions mm. and there wasn't really anything past that that's gotten um, further than an audition because everything was kind of has kind of been on hold so because no one knows what's going to happen and they don't know if they can open up on set yet right but i during quarantine i did do an episode for a little web series on youtube with during acting studios it was called teen quarantine with brian sweeney and i got to guest star and that was a lot of fun and i basically just talked about like my quarantine experience and I also got to the fourth stage of auditions on a Disney Plus show. Oh. That it was a it it's called The Maze and it was supposed to be filmed in Europe and it's basically Disney Plus's version of The Amazing Race. Sorry, I couldn't think of the name. Oh, that's a great show. Yeah, so I love that show so much. Me and my mom binged like 3 seasons of it and they ended up not being able to film it because right as we got to that stage, the European travel ban happened and then quarantine happened. And then we were they were like, we don't know what's going to happen with this right now. So everything just kind of dissolved right then. And we didn't hear anything. And we haven't seen anything on Disney Plus yet. And obviously, the whole COVID thing is still going on. Nobody thought it would go on this long. I have a feeling, though, that all the ideas that they had in the works, like with uh, with bands that tour, what they've done is they've just taken their schedule and moved it from 2020 or from 2021 to 2022 mm-hmm. or, you know, where, yeah. like wherever they were in the year, they just shifted everything 12 months. So I'm kind of hoping that a lot of these things that people are, are auditioning for that seem like a really good project or they've gotten cast and have an opportunity to work on something. I'm really hoping that that's kind of what happens with that, that they just take the calendar and shift it. So it still happens. It just happens on a different schedule. Yeah, I really hope that happens because I think it'd be really cool to go to Europe for free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, because that's like kind of a dream of mine is to tr- I really want to travel the world eventually at some point in my life mm-hmm. just for fun. Like I don't have to do anything. I can just go to Paris for a week and just experience what Paris is like. Sure. Well, just put a jetpack on your robot and then some kind of decompression <laughs> thing for the air so you can breathe. And... Just fly across. And also, that totally reminded me of this. So two summers ago, I went to an aviation camp for a week. And at the end of the camp, I got to co-pilot in a little Cessna 172. And I have an official one hour of flight in an official pilot's log. So I could totally do that. I could just get a little airplane and fly across the sea (laughs) you know what when i said what don't you do i was kidding now you're flying (laughs) planes yeah this is amazing i love it well i can't thank you enough for taking some time out to to come on the show and again thanks for your patience through the technical problems like i said it happens like one out of every 70 shows so you just drew the short straw today But, but i'm really glad that you hung in there and i got to talk to you thank you It was really nice to be here. It was so much fun talking to you. Thank you. Now, in the show notes, I'm going to have the links to all your stuff. Your mom was really cool and sent that all over to me. So thank you. And um, when uh, you guys can now watch Girl Wired, it is on Amazon. It was just on Prime, but now it's opened up to where you can rent or buy it actually uh, and and do it online now if you're not a Prime member. So go check that out. You were fantastic in it. And I honestly, I just can't wait to see what you do next. 
Oh, thank you. I'm excited to see what I'm going to do next to you. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you are. <laughs> Whatever it is, you'll you'll be fine because if you paint yourself into a corner again, you're just you're going to find your way out of it and it'll it'll be great. So keep challenging yourself. You know, I like that. I, I feel like you don't settle. And right. I think that's just going to help you grow exponentially. Mm-hmm. So keep at it. But thank you so much for coming on the show. Come back and see us again. All right. Or hear us. <laughs> listen to like talk to me. Okay. (laughs) You take care, Serenity. Thank you. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. What did I tell you? Just a a ball of lightning, this girl. So amazing. She makes robots and then she goes and makes a movie and she does all this stuff. She's in all these clubs and just, just, I love seeing kids that uh, really just go for it, you know, and I can't wait, really can't wait to see what happens in, in her career as she moves forward. So thank you guys very much for tuning into another episode of the Husky Cast podcast. Please remember to leave a rating on whatever host that you listen on. If you're really feeling like uh, you have even more to say, go ahead and leave a review. And if you have, have any questions, guest suggestions, anything like that, feel free to go ahead and write me at scott at scotthaskin.com. And I look forward to hearing from all of you. And right now, uh, the next episode should be ready. So go ahead and go to episode 127, where I talk to Russell Gilbrook, the drummer of Uriah Heap. Cheers, guys. Cheers.